Welcome to IT for Whiskey, a podcast for new or existing managed service providers and your occasional whiskey connoisseur. My name is Myron Herrera. My company is Cinetech Solutions. We are a MSP based out of Dallas. I'm also the CEO of Greenlink Networks, which is a voice over IP channel only. Business started in 2004. Combined, we're about 30 employees. You know, the reason I wanted to do this podcast was because I wanted to take that pain away from some of the new guys. I realized that a lot of the MSPs that were starting up were struggling with some of the same things that I struggled when we started our business. Meeting Craig and Joe, we shared the same passion and a lot of the same issues. My name is Craig Hickman. I'm with ProBlue in Bloomington, Indiana. ProBlue is a managed service provider. We started in 2005. I started with three employees and now we've grown to 11. We're a small shop servicing a little over 200 customers. This is a great opportunity for me to talk to other peers and learn what they have done and what they have not done well and avoid all those caveats. This is a learning experience for us and also hopefully helping others along the way. My name is Joe Ucia. I'm the CEO for Infinite IT. We're located out of Toronto, Canada. We're an MSP. We're currently about a dozen employees. We were originally founded in 1999. I believe in this podcast because I wish somebody was there to help and teach me a lot of the mistakes that they made and share their mindshare on how to overcome issues. I was lucky enough to meet Craig and Myron a few years ago. I hope that you got a lot out of this podcast. Follow, like, and subscribe at it4whiskey.com. Welcome back to a new episode of IT for Whiskey. I am Craig with my buds, Myron and Joe. And today we have a special guest, Don Sizer from Third Element Consulting. What's up, Don? Welcome. Thank you. Hello. Thanks for being here. So obviously everybody's heard us mention Dawn before. She's been at exchange events with us. She's a Greenland partner. She's been somebody that's always been a listener of the podcast. And it just made sense to have her come and be part of the podcast. And I had the honor of sharing the advisory board meeting at this past conference together. And I saw Dawn in action as I nominated her. I Eve Bolland told her she was going to run the meeting with her super structured methodology that actually, I got to tell you, Dawn, was probably one of the best advisory board meetings we've had in a while. So yeah, that actually did work out very well. And even though you did, Volan told me, which was kind of funny because what he didn't know ahead of time was that the the type of meeting that we do is called a level 10 meeting, which is out of a book called Traction. If you guys haven't read it, you absolutely should. There's always somebody that runs the meeting and then there's always somebody that takes notes. And Joe was voluntold that he was going to take notes for me. So that worked out really well. When I got back to Toronto, I found this on my bookshelf. Look at that. I actually have the book. It's on my, it's fourth in line for me to read. Traction is a good book. I could tell you that I've read it and level 10 meetings are what you need to do. I take my meetings to level 11. I don't know about you guys. Well, thank goodness someone does. (laughs) It's important. Leave it, leave it to Craig to always take it up a notch. <laughs> so we're hanging out, me, Don, and Joe in the, the boardroom. It was the pre-event party. Yeah, yeah, the pre-event so, party. And I'm, I'm hanging out with Don. It wasn't until a few days later that she realized I wasn't running a boardroom. <laughs> <laughs> she and I were having a conversation, like natural, was talking. She's like, how's your boardroom going? Oh, it's great. And she's like, so any problem with you and your people? I'm like, mm. Not really. I mean, oh, wait, I'm not running the room. I'm not in charge. I had no idea. You acted like you belonged, so I figured <laughs> I did, I did. it was fine, right? <laughs> I volunteered Craig to join the advisory board for the next round. And Robert from Channel Co. and Tracy both thought it was a great idea. I think it's a great idea. I do too. That way, the next time I ask you, how's your boardroom going? (laughs) 
It's legit. It's totally legit, right? Stone did a good job. It was a good board room. Stone's a good guy. He's a vet and has a lot of experience, and he has a lot of experience at the conference as well. So you're lucky that you, you got into a good board room with him. Although in the hallway, I would get asked from other people I've been in boardrooms before why I wasn't in their boardroom because they said that their boardroom was a lot more fun when I was in it. Life is just better with you in it, Craig. That's why we have you here. That is true. That is true. You don't you don't say much, but when you do, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> here I come. Everybody listen. Here we go. So I think the way we can equate it is Myron's the brains. I'm the quantity and you're the quality. Okay. That changes every week. <laughs> <laughs> if we were to do the A team, well, you would be face probably, Joe. I, I, I love it when a plan comes together. Myron would be Hannibal. Don would probably be B.A. <laughs> You'd be Mr. T without the hair. <laughs> that, that scares me a little, I got to tell you. <laughs> Though I'm not afraid to fly, so maybe maybe that's not the right person. Yeah, but you would definitely be the enforcer. Yeah, it might be that, yeah. That's true. I will tell you, I would not want to get on Don's bad side. Yeah, you know, I can be the nicest person in the world, but don't ever do me wrong, because I will hold a grudge pretty much forever. Ooh. Yeah, it's it's bad. And I completely admit to that. So So with that, why don't you tell us a little bit about you? <laughs> <laughs> why don't you expand upon that comment? So what would you like me to expand on? Tell us a little bit about you. Tell us about Third Element and uh, where you guys are based out of. Oh, I like uh, long walks on the beach and, you know, that kind of <laughs> <laughs> Wrong podcast. <laughs> a little bit about me. I've been in the business for a really long time, actually, more than 20 years. So it seems like it's been forever. So we've seen a lot of things come and go. As far as Third Element, Third Element's been around, geez, more than 13 years at this point. We actually started out as a subsidiary of a security company, which was kind of funny. What we found is that security and ops didn't talk very well together. They actually needed IT to come in and explain security to ops and back and forth. So we became the third element at the table. And that's how we ended up with our name as well. From there, we spun up into our own organization and we actually vertical into first responders and law enforcement. So that's been our gig from day one. You know, I got to say the one thing that I think is the most incredible about you is that you, in a male-dominated industry, you really distinguish yourself. Being a female owner, that's fantastic in the first place. Kudos to you, respect. But more importantly is when you get a room that is male-dominated and then you get a woman that walks in, usually they feel intimidated. But when you walk in the room, you command the room. I've noticed that about you. I just wanted to give you a compliment on that. Kudos to you because that's a really strong skill to have. Hats off. I wish we had more people like you in the industry. Well, I appreciate that. But to be honest with you, I don't see myself as different. I see myself as one of the guys and maybe that's what does it. I don't really know because I don't think about it consciously. It's more just a, I'm here the same way that everybody else is. So let's do whatever we need to do together. That's a great attitude. So Don, how did you guys end up specifically in the law enforcement area? It's like every other vertical that you stumble into, you land one and it kind of spins out from there. And law enforcement is one of those crazy things where everybody talks to everybody else. So, you know, much like other verticals as far as that goes. But There's no competition within the vertical. There really isn't. And let's keep that on the down low because we kind of like it that way. No, what, what um, I meant was that there's no, comp like there's the police officers of one city are not competing against the other. They're not competing against each other. They're not. So they do all work together. They talk to each other. It's, it is a fantastic brother and sisterhood. And we love to be able to empower that as well. So it's, yeah, it is. It's great. You and I met. It was down in Florida at IT Nation. 
of all places. It was a long time ago, and it was it was kind of funny because I was there on the wife pass, which is kind of hilarious in and of <laughs> itself. And it, we had met another gentleman from the UK who actually does phone systems. That's all that they do. And we're like, you know what? This voiceover IP thing, this sounds like a great idea. Maybe we should get into that. Who should we talk to? And they're like, oh, you need to talk to these guys. These are the guys you need to talk to. And that's how we ended up meeting. I don't know the guy's name. He he was there. He must have stopped by our booth. We talked to him and he brought Dave and Don over. And you know, the rest is history. We, we become obviously partners at GreenLink. We have a pretty good friendship, which is pretty nice. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's one of the things that I love to be able to tell other owners. These are just good people to work with. And it's not something that you can say about every single vendor that you have, but I can say that about you, which I really appreciate. Cool. Thank you. Appreciate it. That's cool. Guys, any questions for Don? And then there's crickets like that. <laughs> <laughs> I've got an important question. So with all these law enforcement buddies you have, do you get to go out shooting with them? If I did, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Actually, yes, we, we have. We have um, <laughs> uh, we have one client that has their own range. Yeah, it has been a whole lot of fun. At Third Element, they have Pilot, the dog. We do. We have an office dog. He is. Uh, he's pretty cool. I haven't met him in person yet, but I have his business card. <laughs> <laughs> so you've gone shooting. We have. And I'm a gun lover. I'm not going to say that I'm not. It's kind of like some people like to go out golfing. I like to go out shooting. It's a stress reliever in some respects, and it's all target shooting. I have a, a little hand 22 that I really like. I'm a long shot as well, so I really like 7mm, that kind of thing. I, I do like to shoot. Like I said, it's a stress reliever for me, the same way that you know, taking a bucket of, of balls out for somebody that really likes to golf and just standing at a driving range. It's, it's the same thing to me. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I realized years ago? That I really suck at golf, and it partly is due to the lack of practice probably, but no, I just suck. We, every September, we do a customer appreciation golf tournament. You know what I do? Chris plays golf, my partner. I get my own golf cart. I go around with uh, a photographer and I pretend to play the whole time. Oh, I thought maybe you delivered beer because if you, if, you if you were delivering beer, I'll come play in that. That'd be fine. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. He's got the liquor cart. I was about to say, and I always follow the beer cart. Wherever the beer cart goes, I go, I buy around pretend to hit a couple of balls. But you know what the benefit of that is actually on the on the flip side, not only do I get to hide my atrocious handicap in golf, which is like probably a 300 at this point, to be honest, it's just terrible, but I spend time with every customer. If I did play in a foursome, we usually have 40, 50 customers out every year. And if I did play in a foursome, then I wouldn't see them all. I'd see two or three of them. This way I'm seeing all of them. It's a win-win. I don't get embarrassed. I buy beer and everyone's happy and I spend time with them. Hey, who's losing? Craig. How, how, how many years do you know Joe now? It's almost five. Have you ever been invited to this golf outing? Customer appreciation. Three times. You got you get invited three times? Myra, guess what? I'm a customer. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I have sent him money. Right there. Thank you, Craig. I see how that works. Remember 5001. <laughs> oh, <geez>. Wow. <laughs> and that bus just went in reverse and went and drive again. So we're clear, Myron. I've invited you out to come see us. I'm scheduled. It's just not for this year. Hey, Don, I'll come out and see you when Joe goes. Yeah, I know, right? It's Giovanni. 
he will not let me go first. So, you know, it's really funny, Don, speaking about coming out to see you. I hear you have a really wicked pizza place up the street from you. It's literally across the street from us. Somebody told me about it and I looked it up and I was like, hey, wait a minute. And then I Google mapped it. I'm like, this address seems familiar. And I don't know why it clicked. I make those associations sometimes. It's just really weird. I was like, oh my God. I forgot to mention that to you when we were in Denver a couple weeks ago. They're probably one of the better pizza places in central PA. Absolutely. So Dawn, you said you guys are how many years in? 13, 14. I've lost count at this point. (laughs) If you had to start all over, what would you do differently? Somebody's asked me that question a couple of times, and I don't know the answer to that. I wish I did. Probably run the other direction. (laughs) Because I think we'd all say that in some respects. We've all had a lot of sleepless nights. I mean, this is no different than raising a baby as far as that goes. You have your sleepless nights. You have a lot of issues. Raising kids, you have the same kind of thing. If I had to do it all over again, I don't know that I'd do a whole lot different. I think I would have built it faster. We took a lot of risk coming out of the gate. I think I still would have done that, but I think we would have built faster than what we actually did. We had a lot of trouble finding staff uh, along the way because of some of the requirements that we have. So I think we probably would have recruited more aggressively. I think that's my answer. I think we would have built faster. Well, what would you have done to build faster, though, realistically? To, to be fair, we, we, have, um, we have two special needs kids. One of them is autistic. The other one is on the spectrum somewhere, but very high functioning. The other one's high functioning as well, just different variety of things. And that has a tendency to pull a lot of time away. I don't think we were as focused as we could have been. But on the flip side of that, I wouldn't want to have given up time with the kids. You know, could we have found other things to balance that a little bit better? Probably, but both my husband and I work in the business. So it's not like I have a wife that stays home with my children or I have a husband that stays home with my children the way that some people have that availability. And I just don't. So I think in some respects, as a woman owner, that's a very different feel to how the company runs here. Well, what challenges have you gone through? So looking at it from a woman's perspective, what challenges have you dealt with that really resonate on trying to run the business as a woman? This one is what really grinds my gears kind of thing. I've had everything from someone asking me what gives me the right to be here to this day. Like that one still kind of grinds my gears a little bit. That was very early on. Um, Doesn't matter. Wow. I know. I know. I still think about it 20 years later. What gives you the right? Well, doesn't that motivate you some? It, it did. It absolutely motivated me. And that one bothered me. And recently, I think this is a little bit different, but someone came up to me at a woman's function. I'm so on the fence with any type of woman's function. If I can't put another word in that regards, like if it wouldn't be okay that it was a white man's function or a black function or an Asian function, it probably shouldn't be okay if it's a woman's function. That's kind of how I feel about it. But it was just a lunch. It was done by the, the regional chamber. So fine, I went. And I had someone come up to me and compliment me on my outfit, which was very nice. And then they asked me what I did. And I knew who the person was and they were a competitor. And as soon as they found out who I was, they said, oh, and they walked away. It was a woman or a man? So it was a woman that complimented me on an outfit, which is very nice. It's a nice thing to do. But she did it as a way to start a conversation in business. That bothered me to no end. And it shouldn't, but that's not a way to start business as far as I'm concerned. If I want to pay someone a sincere compliment, I'm going to do that no matter whether it's business related or not. But I think that was kind of a slimy way to do it. Those are things that grind my gears. Was she an owner? She was not. She was just some salesman. So, you know, it's... (laughs) Salesman. 
<laughs> I know, right? <laughs> kind of how I felt about it. But I was talking with somebody after the fact and they're like, oh man, I'm sorry that happened. I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry too, because I probably won't ever come out again. Don, I will say this. I had an, a life-changing experience one year at an event. When when Joe met me. Ironically, it was also in a body of water. Imagine that. No, no. True story. True story, Craig. True story. So I, I met this guy. His name is Todd Biller. He's from Montreal, Canada. We were in Vegas at a conference. I think it was an HP conference or something of the sort, about 20 five years ago or something like that. And I was working for a company at the time and I was running the company for the owner. He thought I was an owner at the time. And this is before I became self-employed. And he said to me, he's like, oh yeah, what do you think about this? I was like, I didn't know what he was talking about. Then I told him that I'm the president and general manager, but I'm not the owner. And he turned to me and looked at me and said, you know, Joe, he goes, it's great to work for a company and run the company, but you'll never know what I'm talking about till you own your own company. And so as a sales rep, as a vice president, as a director, as a president, as whatever you want to call the role, until you are in the shoes of the four of us, you'll never understand. And I didn't know what he meant at the time. And I said, Todd, you don't know what you're talking about, blah, blah, blah. Fast forward, we kept in touch, good friends to this day, great guy. And so I saw him about four or five years later after I'd become self-employed. And I said, holy moly, McAnoly, I can't believe how accurate you were. There's so much more that as an owner, we don't realize we take on that employees will never understand. Oh, yeah. And there's no way to explain that to them either until they're in those shoes. They think they understand. But again, it's that whole deal where you have no idea what it's like to have a baby till you have a baby. (laughs) And it's there's no way to explain that. Like, good luck. Right. Don, being our honored guest today, speaking about having a baby and uh, dealing with the stress, what are you drinking today? I am drinking some awesome Balvini Caribbean Cask 14. Whoa, is that? Oh, I liked you before, but now I, I know, you just right? went up two notches. How far up the notch level am I at this point? So You know, out of 10, <laughs> you're at about a nine right now. How's oh, that? Nice, nice. What? I'm going to tell you, Don, though, there's one thing. He changes notches like there's no tomorrow. I know. I know. I'll probably be a four by tomorrow. So you just went from a nine to a seven. I'm lucky I ended up at a seven. <laughs> oh, you remember the one episode where he had one drink of something and it instantly from one drink became his top two. Yes. I remember that. Yeah, I'd have to go back, but he essentially divorced everything he ever knew and just went to that. That was called the Glendronic 12-year-old. That was the Sherry Cask Finish Scotch. I remember that episode. And for the record, to this day, it's still my number two. Hard stop, end of story. So just kill it while you're at it because I have like six in my bar right now and three of them in my office. Like I love the drink. So Caribbean Cask is still my number one. Thank you, Don, for bringing that up. And the Glendronic 12-year-old Sherry Finish Cask is still my number two. And by the way, Yellow Spot, thank you, Craig, is my number three, which is what I am drinking right now, by the way. Joe, should I tell you that I'm drinking Red Spot or should I not say that? You should not say that because I'm, <laughs> well, you can say it all you want. I haven't tried it. I can't buy it. I want to buy it. I actually looked when I was in Denver for it. I could not find it. It must be nice to be able to actually buy alcohol properly because in Pennsylvania, everything is so difficult to get at because the state runs all of the liquor stores. Oh, it's the same in Ontario. I went in to look for scotch the other day and I'm like, oh, I'd really like to have something interesting. I had five to choose from. So that's why she bought Caribbean cask. Yeah. (laughs) But to be fair, it is really good. So to back her, at least she got Caribbean cask. You may not like it, but 99% of the world does. You're just weird. I have a bottle at home. It's not my go-to. 
We all have our tastes. And since we've been doing this podcast, I will admit that I was very anti-bourbon. And then I learned. Now, one of my favorite bourbon is the 1792. You're getting there. Right? I said that for a second reason. 1776? <laughs> 1984? I don't know. 1792. And I've got four different 1792s in my collection. I like it. I never liked bourbon before. That's what this is all about. We're learning. We're experimenting. We're trying different things. But Don's... Caribbean cask, 14-year-old Balvenny is still my number one. I'm drinking a new bottle. I was at my local place recently and they had this bottle called Early Times. It's a bourbon. Craig, have you tried? I have had that one time. Yeah. So this is their bottle and bond. As you know, I'm a big bottle and bond fan. 100 proof. The great thing about this bottle is $25. Look at the size of this bottle. It's a big bottle. $25. $25. $25. Look at this. Wow. And I would put it in my top 10. Oh, really? Well, I'm not drinking anything special today. I'm just drinking some Dog Creek 120. It's nothing special, right? <laughs> it's not special. Wait, that's 120 proof? 120 proof Knob Creek. That's like cask strength and then some. And are you icing it? Straight up. No diluted water? This is a man's man's drink right here, buddy. No maple water? No. That'll make you go blind, boy. What? I can't. What, what are we talking about? I just lost consciousness there for a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one thing I am curious. So you guys asked me what it was like to be a woman, but you guys all have female employees. Tell me what it's like to have female employees because I've, I've been on the other side. I've had one female employee, which we had to terminate, unfortunately. I'm interested in what your experience has been with female employees. On, on the flip side of that. So I will say that my preference to hire female over, over male is uh, protected by my Fifth Amendment because the Ontario Standards Act doesn't allow me to discriminate. And I cannot comment or promote or deny that a woman is better or worse than a male employee because the Employment Standard Act of Ontario again. So I will say that um, I'm indifferent. Okay, that's fair. We, we have a couple of female employees. I wish we had more. Evan is probably going to be all over me after this episode. And Evan is a woman. For those that don't know her, I wish we had more women, not because men are less or it's harder or whatever. It's just that it's hard to find women in the technology space. It's one of the things that I, I like a lot about Dawn and having Dawn as a partner and having Dawn in the events with us and, and all that good stuff. It's very difficult to find a woman that's in the technology. Yeah, we have someone that's in, in administrative roles. Our females are in administrative roles, except for Evan. Evan is the only one that can speak the lingo, walk the walk, and do the whole thing. Oh, and as a partner, we know that Evan is fantastic. It's tough. And we had one female employee years, many, many, many years ago. And we still, till today, she lives in San Diego. I wish she was in an area that we can hire her. Problem is that it's difficult to find women to work in this industry. It is very difficult to find women in the industry. We do junior achievement events too. So I'll go out and speak to girls during the junior achievement events and explain that anybody can do IT. It's not just that guys get into it. Here I am. These are the things that you need to do. If you're already looking at engineering or something like that, look at IT too, because it's the same mindset as far as that goes. So absolutely look at it. And what Myron is alluding to too is company culture is a huge part of who you're hiring. And, and that does add some diversity to it. And some of the emotional part of dealing with customers sometimes is really, really good with women. And having that availability is kind of nice. And I would love to have another female employee. We actually just hired one. It's great. But whenever we hire, we're like, yes, kind of balancing the team. 
You know, it's actually interesting. My longest standing and the oldest, most tenured employee is actually a woman. And I hired her. She went to university and then she went to work for one of my competitors for about six months. The culture there, knowing that company very well, wasn't right for her. And my Lenovo rep recommended her to me saying, hey, here's someone that I think you can groom. Knowing your personality and hers, I think you get along. We hired her on a gut instinct factor. And here we are almost a decade later and she's clearly worked out. So that's awesome. That's awesome. Finding the right people is very difficult. Segwaying with that, what are your challenges today as a business? Culture. Culture is a big challenge. And even when you have the right people, it's very easy for culture to get out of whack, especially when you're a small company. We're a small company. You have one person that's not performing up to the same level as everybody else. People get so angry so fast. For those of you that know Noah, and I know a couple of you do. Noah, he's another listener. He is. And we had him get angry. Really? Yeah. So we're starting to listen. Uh, Another employee comes to us and says, you know what? He's right. Also, the dog got angry. (laughs) (laughs) And took care of the problem. That's exactly right. We had every single employee come to us and say, you know what? There's an issue. There's an issue. And it was the same issue. And we're like, this can't go on. Let's just nip it in the bud. So we were actually dealing with that literally right before this call. I'm kind of coming off that. Very glad it's IT for whiskey tonight. (laughs) To be serious, how long do you let a culture issue go? Do you let it stew for a day? Do you let it stew for a week? Do you let it stew for two weeks? How long until it's too long? I could tell you in my experience that you don't want to let that linger. It's like a virus. Or a cancer. It's a cancer, yeah. It's tough. You have to make those decisions. Some of them are very tough decisions because you may be talking about a really good person from a different angle. Maybe they produce a lot. Maybe they close a lot of tickets. There may be a senior person or something like that, but it becomes counterproductive. And you don't know how much it's affecting the rest of the team, whereas the entire team could be producing 20, 30, 20, 25% more than what they're doing now. I think that's the exact part that we got to when a bunch of them were coming in. And thank goodness we have an open door policy policy and they all talk to us and it's very good communication in here. But man, it was, I mean, it was one after another, after another, we need to fix this. This is broken and it was okay before. And now all of a sudden it's not. And hopefully this will be okay and we'll get it all worked out. But yeah, this, it, it can't go on. It just can't go on. Both Craig and Myron witnessed recently, I had an individual at my company that worked for me for a while and I knew him for close to two or three decades. You need to realize when that cancer starts growing and how to cut that cancer are off. The bottom line is, as business owners, as we know, our companies are like another child. We're all parents. We know what it is to be a parent and to have children. These companies that we're fostering and growing and trying to make them become adults and healthy, if there's something that is non-nutritional and becomes very carcinogenic to the bloodline of the company, you need to cut it off. It's hard because we said earlier, is how many tickets do they close or how many customers are they dealing with or how much revenue are they bringing in? But bigger picture is... What are they really doing to the culture and the long-term effect on the business? And when you realize that it's not there, it's not right for the future of the company, you got to cut the cancer. You have to. Most likely, the person is affecting more than what they're bringing to the table. This is years ago. We had somebody that was a really good employee, but there were certain things that they were doing that were slowing everybody else down, or we weren't able to see how much the others were developing their skills and things like that. 
And we dragged and dragged. Eventually, that person came to some issues and the person decided to leave. And when that person left, everybody else just excelled. They started to flourish. They started to take on new roles. It was amazing. We almost doubled the following year without that person. That's the situation that we had when we, again, let go of the last employee that we had. And we grew exponentially all of a sudden and then, you know, hired more people. But it's, it's funny how that works out. Isn't that amazing? We had a horrible employee. I had all sorts of issues with him and he eventually just quit one day. A lot of political problems there. It seemed like a, everybody had a huge weight lifted off of their shoulders. I was worried at first because he had some technical skills, but as soon as he left, everything just shined. We just, everybody just, it just took off. It was night and day. It was amazing. It was the best feeling I've ever had when he left, finally. Go back to Noah real quick. Yeah, okay. Let's go back to Noah. Those that don't know Noah, if you've ever met Uriel from my team, they're the doppelgangers. They're the same people, basically. Uriel and Noah are like twin brothers. No, they're twin brothers and sisters. It's kind of funny. It's pretty weird. They met each other and it was like, remember the Furbies back in the day? You just point them at each other and they start yapping. Exactly what happened with those two guys. It was it was pretty funny. So we always talk about that here in the office. The two of them, they're absolutely fantastic. And it was it was really kind of nice when we were out in Denver and I got to talk with Uriel on the way back to the airport of all places. He was kind of picking my brain on, you know, how to do a couple of things and how to do some of the sales calls and things like that. And I told him, I said, this is the exact same conversation that I've had with Noah a couple of times. I said, the two of you really need to start touching base and talk to each other because I think you'll learn a lot from each other being in the same age. You've done the same things in the same background. They're literally the same person. They just live in two different places. It's really funny. I had the pleasure of getting to know Yuri at that event in Denver. And what a great guy. Yuri, if you're listening to this, you'd skip over the next part. But I clearly waved your flag about what a great guy you are and what a great guy Giovanni is and whatnot. But at the end of the day, it's important that employees know how good their employers are. And uh, I made sure he knew that, but he seemed to know it already. He seemed to get it. So if, if they're anything alike, you're both very lucky. Lucky, I wish I had that. Yuri can come work on my car anytime. <laughs> Those things were good. <laughs> Recently, him and a couple of guys were at my house helping me with my car. I was doing some work on it. And I was sending these guys pictures. Dawn, we're almost at the end. Any questions for us? Something that you want to pick our brains at? The biggest thing for us this year, we've started doing events, which we haven't done previously. And we've done some events with MDF. We've done events on our own. We're actually teaming up with an insurance agency of all things for our next one. I'm very curious as to what you guys have done for events, if you've done events, how they went. And it's all like business development type event. We did one called Noah from Marketing, which was kind of fun. Obviously, we had Noah from Marketing there. The The whole point to all of it was to show what a hack looked like coming from the outside. And then once they're on the inside, if you have an internal hack or an employee or a rogue employee, what it looks like or what it can look like. So we did that event, which was extremely successful. We did that with MDF Funds as well. And we had had a vendor there for that. It went very well. It was very successful for business development. The next one that we're doing is all about business continuity. And it's not about backup. It's actually about mitigating the risks that you have, identifying the risk and actually planning for, you know, what happens when things go horrifically sideways. You know, your building burns down, you have an employee death, you know, whatever the case might be, that sort of thing. So these are the things that we're doing for events. For us in the past, for Cinetech, when we've done events, GreenLink is a totally different animal. 
level, but it's been about what the demographics are. It has to be that the attendees are owners. If they're not owners, it's a waste of time. Try to get that information beforehand, before you sign up, before you, you, you commit to. Oh yeah, we qualify that ahead of time. So like. Yeah, so that's if you're doing like an event, like convention or something like that. Obviously, if you're putting together the event yourself, then it's your list. That's really one of the key things. The other is that some events allow you to take the list or get the list. We'll always ask for that of the attendees. Work that list and, and try to see if you can do some marketing and things like that. That's how it's been successful for us. When we didn't do that and we were just going to an event and had a table and whatnot, it was really a more long-term waste of a time. The only thing I'll recommend to you on that, scrub the list against your existing customers because I have had several calls from one partner in particular that we do a ton of business with. And there's been four different, four different people who have called me in the last two weeks. And I don't answer the calls when I see it because I know it's, it's them. And then they'll send me a follow-up email and I'll reply to them, copying my account manager saying, hey, you know, we're already a partner. You may want to talk to my AM about this. Crickets. <laughs> Every single time. How about you, Craig? You do events? Business owners are hard to get to come into an event. I typically would not invite new prospects. I wouldn't invite all my clients that I know that want to come and then invite some prospects. But then I always give away something that everybody wants. I would give away some sort of prize at the end. That would definitely probably help some. And then everybody just shows up. And I would have Cisco or Microsoft or VMware do a presentation. I would get up and speak a little bit. It depends upon what I was pushing, but I never really pushed product or service. It's more of brand recognition and that we were the experts and we could bring in the experts to talk to you. That was my whole goal. That's what we do at GreenLink. I'm not trying to sell anybody who's there. We do education only for those types of events. That seems to work out really well for us. And we do the mix. But uh, hey, guys, you do know I did a presentation last week. And thanks to these two guys, it went pretty well. Thanks, Joe. More Joe than me. I didn't help much. It was really Joe that put in the time. Let's give the Canadian credit when it's due. Yeah. Good, good. yeah. good job, Joe. Oh, nice. <laughs> You're welcome. Hey, you know what? That's what we do for our friends. No thanks required. Aw. Yay. All right. Well, I think we've uh, gone much longer than we typically go. I want to thank Dawn for taking the time and being with us here and seeing this crazy process of how we record these podcasts. It is an interesting time. Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure. You know something, Dawn? You are an inspiration to many people. And I just wish that you would keep pushing your message out there to inspire a lot more women in our industry to partake. You should be very proud of yourself. It's an honor for me to call you a friend. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate that. But like I said, I feel like I'm one of the guys. I think that's important, especially in this industry. As long as you feel like you're part of it, you're part of it. Right. I agree. But not many people see it that way. They get intimidated by things that they shouldn't. And good for you for overcoming that. Keep on keeping on. How's that? All right. We can we can keep on keeping cheers. on. Yes. Cheers. cheers. Cheers to Don. Cheers. God bless. Kev, cheers. cheers. Take it from there. That's all for this episode of IT for Whiskey, a podcast by MSPs to help MSPs. Don't forget to spread the word, like, and subscribe at IT4Whiskey.com. Knob Creek 120. <laughs> <laughs> Caribbean cask, baby, yeah! <laughs>